I want you to start a fresh day, a new slate, a new page on the pad, a new chapter in the book, whatever analogy you want to use. But I want you to know that the world expects you to show up being bigger, better, and bolder than you were yesterday to make the world a better place. This is the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast, your source for the strategies, systems, and insights you need to turn your dreams into your destiny. Every week, we dive into dynamic conversations as our host, Nicole Greer, interviews leadership and business experts. They're here to shed light on practical solutions to the challenges of personal and professional development. Now, here's your host, a professional speaker, coach, and consultant, Nicole Greer. Welcome, everybody, to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. My name is Nicole Greer, and they call me the Vibrant Coach. And today, I have a wonderful guest with me. His name is Jimmy Williams. Let me read his bio to you. Jimmy Williams is a widely regarded speaker helping growth-minded business professionals overcome the complacency of coasting through life by default to experience transformation and developing a strategic and financial plan for living life by design. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for coming, Jimmy. Hey, good morning, Nicole. It's truly my pleasure. So excited to see you. Jimmy and I have the pleasure of meeting up once a quarter, and we hang out with people who are living a life by design. So we're going to talk about that today. But Jimmy, first question, I am collecting definitions of leadership. What's your definition? Oh, goodness. My definition of leadership is very simple, but powerful one, Nicole. I believe leaders must first have integrity to gain the trust of those they wish to lead. So to me, integrity has got to be the number one ingredient. Uh, You got to walk your talk, as I say. And I do believe, too, that the next ingredient's got to be selflessness. Now, a lot of people say, well, I'm a leader because I want to be I want to be the one that gets the credit for everything. No, 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 no. Great leaders give the credit to their team. But even greater leaders take the blame when the team does not reach the desired goal. Does that make sense? So that makes so total sense. To, to me, integrity is critical. And the reason I say that is just. To be honest with you, how can you lead anyone without integrity? We see a failed system in our uh, nation sometimes from leaders that so called by title don't really lead. And so to me, there's no title involved. I, there's some some great books out there. I love one of them called The Leader with No Title. And uh, the author's uh, Robin Sharma. And I got to tell you, the book is spot on. There is no title needed to be a leader. There's only integrity. There's only selflessness. And there's ambition. Hmm, that's fantastic. All right. So uh, I agree to hold hardly. And as all my listeners know, I have a coaching methodology called shine. And so the I in shine is integrity. But before we get to integrity, I want to talk about the S and the H with you. Uh, one of the things that I know about you is you are one disciplined guy. Um, you do a lot of work in terms of like you go and meet up with a coach right? So everybody should have a coach, everybody. So even the two folks on here who do coaching have a coach themselves. Um, but tell me a little bit about what you do to self-assess. When, how do you take a good look at Jimmy Williams in the mirror? What do you do to make sure you're on? You're a man of integrity? So I do a weekly review, basically, of myself, and I do it every Sunday. So I go to church Sunday morning. I like to have that spiritual side of me that needs to be fed and refreshed. And, and to me, to be very honest with you, that's my foundation of my leadership and what I do in this world. And so I've got that grounding done. Well, that evening, I sit down and do a weekly review. How did I measure up in my performance with my anticipated goals for the week? Why were those goals so important? They were my big three. So I, I try to have three just what I call BHAGs, you know, those big, hairy, audacious goals each week. Nicole, I'll have some smaller ones that may feed that, 
or I might have something that's incremental to those. But man, I got to hit those big three, right? And then I look to see what did I do to spread some kindness to those around me. So one of our corporate attributes here at Compass Capital Management is kindness. And that, along with our other one, integrity, is how we really grow this business and how we've grown anywhere from 28 to 35 percent per year, even during times of COVID, which we had our biggest year. So to me, you've got to assess where your performance is on a frequent and I like to say anticipated recurrence. So say, hey, you don't do it on Thursday this week and then maybe Tuesday the next. You, you need to set a system in place. And, you know, at Coach, you and I attend Strategic Coach. We have certain days, and I live by those days. They're free focus and buffer days. Sunday to me is a free day. All I want to do is sit down and let my mind go freely flowing to what I did well, what I could have done better, but maybe still had some positive outcomes, and what did I really excel at for this last week. And so at the end of the day, that's what I do every Sunday afternoon uh, or toward the evening, and I just basically spend time with myself for about an hour. Yeah, that's fantastic. And you know, the research says over and over again that uh, reflection, right? Self-assessment is one of the number one leadership tools for a leader. And so I love that. So uh, everybody write that down, a weekly review of how you've done, maybe have two or three things you're taking a look at, even personal key productivity indicators, KPIs, right? And then maybe take a look at a couple of character traits, Jimmy Williams says. He says, take a look, how kind was I this week? Uh, right? And then was I a man of integrity? So I love that. And asking yourself this powerful question, how did I measure up? So those are some great questions. All right. And I love the fact that you start out your day, um, you know, your week out with a foundational belief system, right? That that helps you kind of navigate. So don't miss that, everybody. Sunday morning, get a belief system in place. All right. So we've got self-assessment. So sitting down to actually take a look at things, um, so right now, what are you doing in terms of habit work? You know, I find that leaders who are conscious of the habits that they have in place do better. And we have, uh, again, a coach in common, Dan Sullivan was strategic coach. And, and he says, you know, if you put some good habits in place, the bad ones will go out the back door. And so don't worry about the bad habits, just work on some good ones. So Jimmy Williams, you've been so successful in your career and in your life and helped so many people. What are some linchpin habits that you do or that you encourage your clients to do? I'm going to give you, Nicole, a couple of habits that I just think are foundational to my success. And then I'm going to give you a couple of habits I'm working on currently. Is that okay? Yeah. So one of my habits for success is, has been, is I rise earlier than anyone. I get up at 5, 530 in the morning without an alarm clock. I have for, I'm 58 years of age. I've done this since I was, I guess, in college. I took those early courses because I had to go work my way through college. I didn't have the luxury of having it all paid for, right? Uh, so I, I basically am an early riser. The reason I do that to me is those early morning times is where I have the greatest clarity of mind. The day hasn't started. I don't look at email first thing. I don't look at my phone first thing. I have that moment of solitude where you're going to laugh. I pull out my journal and I write down what is it I want to accomplish today and who do I want to impress upon the value they bring to the world. Not what I bring to the world, but what they bring. And so that could be one of my team, could be one of our clients. It could be a, a friend of mine I just happened to run into on the street while I'm at lunch. I always ask myself that question because to me, I've got 24 hours, Nicole, literally now, not to get too deep. No one's promised more than that. The second habit I think that's most empowering to me is I am a voracious reader. Now, I don't read uh, romance novels. And for those of you that do, that's great. But I think you could spend your time 
helping your brain develop greater abilities to be creative, innovative, and so forth. If you read something that really challenged us, right, not just on an emotional level. And so I do a lot of reading of biographies of great people. Don't laugh. I'm reading a humongous tome right now. It's about four inches thick, and it's the letters written between John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, and Abigail Adams, which was John's wife, the two men that were one of our second and third presidents of this great country, and the letters between France and England, because Thomas Jefferson, as you knew, was the ambassador of France at that time in our new country, and John Adams was in England. And to read the letters and concerns that these men had for this fledgling country that's just trying to get off the ground, that is so inspirational to me. I can barely contain myself to get in the shower, get shaved, and get on to work. I mean, I am excited to see that men of those backgrounds brought forth the greatest country on the planet. Now, am I saying we have concerns in this country? Yes, but I would live nowhere else, Nicole. But let me give you the two most important habits I'm working on now. I'm a little embarrassed, but you know, I'm here. I'm just, I'm sitting here. And if you folks can see me, um, as you can on this audio, I've got no, no shear. This is just pure Jimmy. I'm working on eating better in my vegetables. Now you're going to laugh, but I put that on my big three every day this last two weeks to eat more vegetables. <laughs> so I don't know why, Nicole, I'm just not a big fan of Brussels sprouts. Okay. Uh, I'm not a big fan of some of these things that come out of the dirt. I like some. I don't like a lot of the green ones. I need to eat more. So I'm I'm working on that as my next habit. And you're going to laugh. As a habit, keep in mind, you can eat all the vegetables you want, Nicole, and not have really any sugars or fats in them, right? So that's that's the goal. The second thing I'm working on, too, is the development of my vocabulary. Every day for the last three weeks, I've picked up a new word that I get from, don't laugh, it's a small app. I get it out, and it's the Merriam-Webster Dictionary app on my phone. It's free. Why wouldn't you do something if it's free, right? And I look, and I get a word, and I use that word as much as I can in that day to develop the habit. And I use it every day consistently after that for about a three-week period till it's ingrained. Those are my two new habits. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. And and one of the things I just want to highlight, I've said this a, a lot on the podcast, but here's the, here's the absolute truth about leaders. Uh, and leaders that build a vibrant culture is that they read. Leaders read. So, you know, two things he's telling you right here. One is that you've got to read so that you can, you know, get ideas, get inspired, learn, but then also increase your vocabulary. And I will tell you, somebody who has a great vocabulary is impressive and is more direct and more succinct in what they have to say. And I love that you're saying that because every day I get up and I read as well. And the word I had today, because I'll read, you know, I'm 58 years old, too. I didn't know we were 20 on that. So well, I don't uh, know what you're eating or drinking, but you look like 28 to me. So that I, you know, well, anyway. it could be the red wine. I'm not sure. <laughs> but <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But uh, this morning I was reading uh, an article about um, the Shepherd's Hotel that used to be in Cairo. And it was like the hotel in the early part of the uh, 20th century and that all sorts of great people stayed there. And the word in there, I had, I've heard it a lot of times in my life, but I never saw it spelled out, but it was hoi polloi, you know, the hoi polloi. Mm -hmm. And what it means is like the masses, the many. And I just was like, oh my gosh, I've never seen that spelled out before. So just really cool. So people, you need to read. And I'd like to put a little plug in for Jimmy's website. If you will go to live a life by dot design, you'll see that Jimmy has a reading list in there that he suggests to folks. 
So I looked at your reading list and I wrote down some I haven't read, but I have read most of the books that are on there. So there's like a group of books that like everybody needs to read. So I think Jimmy's list would be a great thing. So, so how did you get drawn to reading in the first place? I'm just curious, were you like that as a little guy or? So boy, you're getting some history now. Yeah. So I was raised in a very small community, maybe about 600 people total, small town, Southeastern Oklahoma, uh, mainly agriculture based, not too far from Fort Smith, Arkansas, about 22 miles from Fort Smith, Arkansas. And um, don't laugh. We had this thing back in the day in the early 70s called the Bookmobile. Now, they're starting to bring those back, but they quit oh doing them through the, the 70s, 80s. You, you remember this, the Bookmobile. <laughs> and, um, and so I'm the youngest of six children. And so I, um, I just developed this habit. I've always been scholarly in my thinking. And I thought I just developed this habit. I love to read. I don't know what it is. It's inquisitive. I, I just have curiosity of how things function and work in our world. And that reading started in that bookmobile at the age of six. My sister started giving me books to read when I was three and four years old. She caught me reading an encyclopedia at the age of five, she says. And she said, you weren't just looking at the pictures. You were reading. Now, some of the words you didn't get right, but I'm the youngest of six. I said, my oldest sister is a school teacher. And so I guess back then, even that day, she had this kind of tutoring mentality, right? And, and so all I did is I just love to read. So uh, I love athletics, but then I turned around, I love to read. And I think that solitude time of reading really engrossed in me the fact that I need to learn more every day. If we work, don't laugh, at only 10 to 15 minutes a day reading good books, not, not trashy novels, but good books written by great people that are inspirational and foundational to your belief system, man, you cannot help but grow if you apply it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, and so I just had the most wonderful flashback to the bookmobile. Uh, so <laughs> I absolutely adored the bookmobile. Yeah. All right. Good deal. All right. So uh, really important to eat your veggies, uh, to get up early is what he has said. And then also to definitely read every day. And here's what I'll say um, about um, veggies is, I mean, I have to give you a pass because isn't Oklahoma like, don't we raise a lot of cattle? Straighten me out. Uh, is, isn't this like yeah. a meat and potatoes kind yes. of Yes. Yeah. Now, now, listen, I'm not denouncing. I love a good steak. It's just, Nicole, I have a little less of it than I used to. So I, I eat about uh, six to eight ounces of, of red meat a week, and I do eat a lot of good fish, uh, particularly those things like salmon and so forth. I do like a good fish. Uh, but but I'm by no means denouncing cattle. Matter of fact, I was raised on a ranch. So I I can't turn down my childhood here. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, my point is, is as we age, our body has different needs, right, to keep that that optimal performance level, I call it, or the OPL in our office. So I say, hey, what's your OPL this week? And the team will go, well, I'm going to CrossFit or I'm going to yoga. Or, I'm, so we all have these activity goals. And so my optimum performance level, I think, would be enhanced as I age by getting more of these these vegetables and things in my diet than what I've been. Mm, I love it. OK, so everybody adopt that idea, too. Another good habit for around the office is to uh, have a, a weekly chat about your OPL, your optimum performance level. I love that. That's fantastic. Now, now, don't laugh. I may be a little geek on here, but let me tell you what we do. We don't hold okay. that meeting sitting down. We hold that meeting either walking if the day's pretty or at least standing in the office if the weather's you know inclement and not able to go outside. Hmm, that's so. fantastic. Well, you know, you, you were talking about habits, but one of the things that you have expertise in is um, financial management. Do I have my story right? And so- yeah. I'd like to hear, you know, um, you know, people who um, have their finances under control, I think are better employees. 
I, I, I just, I'm just going to say that. Being an HR person for many, many years, people who are not working at their optimum uh, oftentimes have two things going on in their personal life. One is they have financial issues that are eating them alive, literally. Uh, or number two, they have health problems. And so uh, you've already touched on the health, like we got to, you know, reduce our steak intake to six ounces and eat more veggies. But then there's this thing of having your finances under control. And I think this is one of the areas that a lot of our leaders inside of our organizations could help employees. Um, one thing I tell people all the time, Jimmy, is my daddy used to say this saying, and it's got a word in it that ladies don't usually say, but I'm going to say it because this is what daddy would say. He would tell me all the time, we don't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. Okay. So that's just <laughs> something daddy say. Okay. And, I've heard that all my life. Yes, right. sir. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I just thought that's how we live. I didn't know it could be different um, until I met my husband, who's like, oh, no, we're going to save money and pay off credit cards and do all these things. And I was like, oh, we can do that. <laughs> you know, because I had I had been told that we're not good at doing money. So tell us a little bit about the habits of somebody who who has their money un under control. And I, I, it's not that complicated. No, it's really not. I want to give you something very profound here. And I hope the listeners oh, of this are taking some notes, too, because yes. they make the act of saving for the future so complicated that it's going to be so disruptive. And I'm going to truly share with you what we call our life plan solution. It's on our website. You'll see it, the life plan solution. It's a five step process to keep you after sustaining that habit of saving to keep you in that mode, as well as keep you facing that direction you wish to go with that and to not be in any way distracted by the world, you know, uh, things happen, right? So uh, the first thing we want to tell you is this, it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. We cannot change yesterday. We are very, very good at helping you form your future, but we cannot change yesterday. So let's just put that in the book, close that chapter, go start a new one, and don't sit there and judge yourself saying, well, I've just ruined my life because I got news for you. There is a time to start, and that is today. I don't care if you're age 18. I don't care if you're age 58. If you think you need a bigger, better future, it is time to start. The other thing we start on is this. I have to go back to that assessment that I do every Sunday. I look at assessment. I also look at our finances every week, make sure we're on track, on budget, doing what we need to do. And I will tell you that I have never failed to meet an obligation in my life. Never, except during college. And don't laugh, during college, I had far more month than money some months because I was working my way through college. And I sometimes I had one creditor, you're going to laugh. It's happened to me. Uh, it was the cable TV company in the small town where I was going to the university. And don't laugh, the cable bill was like 28 bucks back then. This was <laughs> this is in the early 80s. And, and so I thought, you know, 28 bucks, man, that's a lot of money to me. And so the cable company literally called my house, right? And said, Mr. Williams said, you're late by 10 days on your bill for this month. And I said, sir, let me tell you what I do. Uh, I'm a student working my way through college. And I said, I've got no help from anyone and I don't ask for any help. I do ask for a little grace though, if you would grant me that to get this paid. And I said, what I do is I get my check every month from where I work and I put all the bills in a hat and I draw the bills out until I've run out of money for the bills. Now, sir, please don't make me upset because I may not even put you in the hat next month. Anyway, that's what I, <laughs> so, and he started laughing. He said, I think I could work with you on this. But anyway, my point is, is this, I live within my means. You know, some of the greatest, most wealthy people on the planet have been people like Warren Buffett. I got a great deal of respect for him, who's now alive, obviously, and still going and doing well, worth billions with a B. Then there's people like Sam Walton. 
Sam Walton drove a Ford pickup when he was worth billions of dollars. You know, I'm not discounting Ford to being a valued car or truck. I'm just saying he drove a Ford pickup. He didn't drive a Mercedes. He didn't drive a Lamborghini. You know, and he lived in the same house that he and his lovely wife designed to live in. That was their home. My wife and I live in the same house we built in 1996. We've lived there. We plan on living there till the good Lord calls us home. We believe in living within our means. Now, here's what our means actually means, if I may play on that word. We set as a mortgage to our future. Now, catch this terminology. We place on our budget a mortgage to our future, and we pay that mortgage literally every pay period. What do I mean by that? So if my goal is saving, and I'm just picking a number, if my goal is saving $500 a month, I need to put that on my budget as a mortgage for my future. If I don't save that, then whoa, my future is not going to be as good as I want it to be, which may mean I work longer or I live a less robust lifestyle than I plan. I travel less. I do whatever less that I enjoy. You must have that mortgage of your future in that budget. The other thing I want you to think about is, is we're facing right now unprecedented inflation in this country. We hadn't had this type of inflation in 40 plus years, right? President Carter, oh, and happy birthday, shout out to President Carter. He just turned 99. Great guy. Do what? I did not know that. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, great man. Uh, But I'll get into some of that here in a minute about my learning. I go to presidential libraries. I'm part of that, that geekdom. I love that stuff. But, But my point is what he did is he had some policies that just weren't really good for the economy. We've come into that again last year. We're at 9.1% inflation. 9.1% last July of 2022. Coffee, eggs, gasoline, clothing, anything you needed as a human on this planet, particularly a U.S. person, was much higher than it ever has been. So what I tell people is your savings rate will help you build confidence to reach the goals of your future if you treat that future as a mortgage now. And a 30-year mortgage isn't bad if you're looking for a good future. Mm, that's fantastic. Here's what he's talking about right now to uh, start today. So if you've not had a history and you had a blind spot or you were trained told like I was that money is a very difficult thing to manage, uh, you can start to manage it today. Uh, number one, live within your means, which means figure out how much the bills are and how much you make. And if you don't have enough to pay what your bills are, then you need to get something taken off the bill list, right? And then number three, pay a mortgage to your future. I love that. Yeah. And you know, um, I, I have a financial uh, planner and her name is Missy. And uh, one of the things uh, that she did with my daughter when my daughter was coming up is my daughter was making a ton of money babysitting. Like she was making major bank babysitting as like a 15-year-old person. Yeah, you know, awesome. Like everybody, everybody loved having Katie babysit, you know. And uh, she said, listen, Katie, if you give me $25, to $50 every time you have a babysitting weekend. Uh, let me show you what will happen to it in the next 30 years. If you just let me have it and invest it for you. And it was the number was like 400 and some thousand dollars or whatever by the time she was 50 or something. <laughs> and right. she was, and Katie's eyes were like, what? Uh, and so to this day, she's sending money to Missy Carlson. So, so, uh, I think so you're going to laugh. I actually have this plan that we helped our daughter. Now, I'm going to admit something here. As you know, I've, I'm giving you the unvarnished truth here. I've, I'm not holding anything back. So this right. is what happened. My daughter at age 26 came to me with her 401k statement. So she we'd, we'd pay for her education. We'd save since she was six months of age. We were one of those kinds of people. I didn't buy a Mercedes when I could have. I went ahead and invested in my kid. She got her master's degree with honors and her bachelor's degree with honors in journalism and broadcast media and professional writing. 
And she came to me at age 26 and she shows me her 401k statement. She says, dad, look how much money I've got. And I've only been working for three years. I said, yeah, hey, that's great. What do you think? And she goes, I still don't understand how that little $150 a month is adding up to this. And I said, well, your employer's matching 5%. So if you put in five, you're actually getting a total return of 100%, no matter what the market does. And she goes, well, wow, dad. So that compound interest thing, that's pretty powerful. <laughs> I said, yeah. And then I had to say something to her. And I did this with all sincerity, Nicole. I looked her in the eye and I said, I want to tell you something about your father. I said, things look good. You know, we have a big house. You drive nice cars. You girls went to great colleges. But that's just the blessing of God giving us a good mind and your dad some ambition to go out and work, make good decisions. But I said, at 26 years of age, you're now at a higher net worth than your parents were at age 26. And she said, well, dad, that only makes sense, right? I go, what do you mean? She goes, you paid for my house. You paid for my car, my education. She goes, I don't know a dime to anyone. I said, if you'll keep that mindset that you have your finances under control where you pay your savings first, then you pay your living expenses second, life will be so much better for you. Mm, that's fantastic. And so I want to talk about 401ks for just a minute, because whenever I speak to uh, leaders, I talk to them about the six energies, which we're going to get to. Mm -hmm. uh, but one of them is financial. And I think that, dare I say this, leaders, that we do a terrible job of explaining to them the benefits that we provide them. You know, as a, as a, as a gal with all this HR experience, <laughs> I have sat down with so many people that had no idea how their 401k works. Now, Here's the thing uh, about employee engagement. It's what Jimmy out there, everybody's talking about employee engagement. You got to get your employees engaged. Well, I'll tell you what, if I understood that the um, success of the company was related to my ambition, which you keep talking about ambition, so we're going to talk about that too, you know, and that, you know, how the company does is a reflection of how I do as an employee. And then it's 5% to 5%. That 5% can be a bigger number, right? Um, Absolutely. And we could have people working harder and more engaged because they would be like, I'm getting a, my, I can make my own paycheck go up. Now, you're going to laugh, Nicole. We have a pretty robust employee benefits package here at Compass Capital Management. Um, my wife and I sat down when we were starting our company and said, and I worked for some of the international firms. I worked for some of the biggest in the country and, and was blessed to do that, made some great relationships. But it's such a big ship. It's like trying to turn the Titanic with a boat oar, as we use that analogy a lot of times. We wanted a more nimble company. We wanted one that's more responsive to its team members. We don't call them employees. I hate that term. We are team members. And then we also wanted something that gave flexibility in life because, you know, things happen, Nicole. I got to tell you, you you're say you're 58, you look 28 to me, but you've experienced some things in life that happen that you don't wish. And okay. so what, what we did is we started instituting, now here you're going to laugh, small, non-taxable benefits for our employees, such as Basically, we have their cars detailed. We have a guy come here every quarter in our parking lot, in our garage, and detail everybody's car. I'm talking inside and out, do the whole thing. And you wouldn't believe the loyalty. You wouldn't believe the energy that gives these uh, you know, team members. You wouldn't believe that it gives them such a perk in life that they're just like, man, what can I do to get things done? It really affects the bottom line. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, and, and I think that, uh, you know, you should reach out to Jimmy to see what else he's doing with this team. I love that. So, uh, and I love a detail. What's better than getting in a clean car? Nothing. All right. Fantastic. All right. So we've talked about habits, um, and the financial. Thanks for highlighting those things. 
So let's go to integrity, um, which, you know, what, which I believe is all about developing character. So there's a book out there. I don't know if you've read this one. We're exchanging books back and forth, Jimmy and I, but one is called Return on Character. And it's by Fred Keel. And he says uh, in his book and through his research, it's not just an idea. He actually did the research around it, that organizations that emphasize character development, like literally go to their human beings, their, their team members and say, you know, let's work on the quality of our character. Uh, and people say, okay, I've got room for improvement. I'm not perfect. Uh, they increase their return on assets by 5%. And so if you just thought about the assets um, that your company has, pull out your, your balance sheet and take a look, <laughs> this would yeah. be a huge 5%. So um, tell us a little bit about um, how you work on character, but I love this trait you keep bringing up, ambition. But sometimes I think people think ambition is not a pretty thing. I think it's beautiful. So will you talk a little bit about ambition and character and how you develop that in your teams? Sure. So first of all, let me say this. Ambition gets a bad rap, I think. People it does. Go, oh, my gosh. If you're ambitious, then you just totally step on the small people and you're stepping over whoever you got to to get the top. That is unbridled ambition without any restraint. That's not what I'm referring to. Right. What I'm talking about ambition is, is the, the power, the privilege to get up every day and go do something you love to do. This is what I do. I was, I'm the first one in the office. I love to get in here in those quiet moments and just sit and think for a few moments before the day gets started. Don't laugh. I, you can call it meditation. I call it prayer. I start my day off in my office with a little prayer. Hey, Lord, let me be an instrument to you today to help somebody be a bigger instrument to whomever they meet. You know, it all starts with that domino effect. So ambition to me is not a negative, but a very positive and profound feeling and energy. Now, let's talk about integrity, though. So integrity linked with ambition is ideal. And here's why I say that. I get honesty with my integrity. I get that great character with my integrity. I get accountability. Now, how many people in this world do you know right now use that big A word? Nobody. They all deflect blame like it's something terrible. You know, we are not a perfect person. None of us. There was one man that was perfect. He's not, he's not the one I'm talking about today. I'm talking about Jimmy. But this Jimmy is not perfect. I still make mistakes, Nicole, and I make mistakes to my team. Let me tell you what I did just about two weeks ago. I made a mistake and misspoke on something and didn't realize I did. And I had caused one of my team to do a little extra work they shouldn't have. I went straight to that person and I said, I want you to know I apologize. I really messed up. That was on me, my fault. I take full responsibility for it. And she looked at me and she's one of our newer team members. She said, are you serious? And I said, yes, yes, I'm very serious. It's important to me that you have trust in your leadership, and that's me, to do the right thing when it's not so easy to do. And she just almost got this teary eye. You look, and her eyes started glazing over a little bit. I said, did I say something wrong? And she said, no. She said, but you're the first. And she said this. I don't like the term. She said, you're the first boss I've ever had in my life that showed me any respect. I'm like, wow. There's the problem of engagement. If you don't respect the people on your team, you won't get engagement. You're going to get basically, I'm here from eight to five or whatever the hours are, and I'm just going to put up with it. And it's just a tolerance. It's not an engagement. And at the end of the day, I, I guess I got to tell you, her, shall I say, output production has been far more than it was before the incident. I'm just telling you, I don't know why it works psychologically, but I just know being honest, being candid having integrity, showing great character, showing up every day your best self to add to your team's total equation of service to that public you wish to market. 
can be reached in an optimum level if everyone has those same characteristics. Are you ready to build your vibrant culture? Bring Nicole Greer to speak to your leadership team, conference, or organization to help them with their strategies, systems, and smarts to increase clarity, accountability, energy, and results. Your organization will get lit from within. Email her at Nicole at VibrantCulture.com and be sure to check out Nicole's TEDx talk at VibrantCulture.com. I couldn't agree more. And, and what you're really talking about is this idea of repairing So, you know, when I coach uh, leaders, one of the things that they'll do is they'll say to me, you know, gosh, I messed up. I did this. I said this, whatever, you know, because again, we're all flawed and we're going to miss the mark. Um, And and I'll say, well, what what did you do to repair? What do you mean? I'm like, well, you have to go face to face with that human and tell them I am sorry. It was a boo-boo. And so it won't happen again. Uh, and the minute that you do that, I agree, the the integrity level goes up uh, in their eyes for you because, you know, we're none of us going to be perfect, but we can all repair. We can all apologize. We can all go back and and uh, claim that we want to do better. So I love I want to I want to add one item, if I yeah. might, real quickly. So if you think about what happened in this country just uh, a few years ago on January the 6th, I'm not going to get into details of what I want to talk about the why. I've analyzed what happened that day. I don't agree with anything that transpired physically. I do not. This is a country that we need to debate robustly and we need to protest uh, without violence. Right, but but here's my point. What happened that day was truly because the leadership in our country has lost its respect because of its inability to admit when it's wrong and to have good character. Not saying they're all that way. I'm just saying this country as a whole has not been keeping up its character as in the days it did when Thomas Jefferson walked on the planet or or Abraham Lincoln, who who literally is my favorite historic president. And I've been to his home in Springfield, Illinois. I've been to his law building, but now it's something else. But I went to that building and I went to his library and museum. And this man who had very limited means, far less than I did. I had a nice home to grow up in. It wasn't anything fancy, but I grew up in. I never missed a meal. I had good clothing. I went to a nice school. But this man lived in a literal log cabin and had limited education, barely. His mother, stepmother taught him to read. I mean, by a fireplace, no electricity. And he became a lawyer. Then he became one of the greatest figures in our country's history to sustain this union. And my point is he did it because of unwavering character and his internal belief in himself. So let's let's visit on that. I mean, I've got to know what really is Jimmy's honest candor to Jimmy, because I got to shave every morning. I look in that mirror and I got to know who that person is and like that person so I can come out and project that to the world. Mm, that's fantastic. And just guess where I was this past weekend, Jimmy? I was out in uh, Wyoming and the uh, highway out there was dedicated to Lincoln. And there is a huge bust of, of Lincoln. And uh, it was put together. I can't tell you the name of the artist right off the top of my head, but put together uh, in uh, uh, Mexico City, then drove all the way up near Laramie, Wyoming, put together in uh and it was just amazing. So I couldn't agree more. So nice. uh, lots of people who love our Lincoln. That's fantastic. All right. So the next thing in the coaching methodology is next right steps. And so you've already alluded to the fact that, you know, you are thinking out to the future. You're encouraging people to start their future today. Um, so what is your what is your plan personally for goal setting? How do you go about it? And then maybe what do you do with your clients to help them set their goals? I think a lot of people you know, with the uncertainty, you mentioned the inflation, COVID, people are like, why set goals? We have no idea what the heck's going to unfold. 
but I'm a huge believer in goal setting. What What are your thoughts on next right steps? Look, you're going to laugh. My wife and I just took our entire team to some training um, in Orlando, Florida. And while we were there, my wife said, hey, you know, while we're there, let's go a couple of days early. Uh, we're going to we're going to fly anyway, so let's get a couple of extra nights in the in the resort and take the entire team to Disney World. And I said, hey, great, I got some ideas. And I wrote down three goals. She goes, here you go again. I just want to take them to Disney World. <laughs> You're wanting to get a goal accomplished during this. I said, well, but wait a minute, honey, it can be both. And so I'm trying to teach my wife, just because I have goals, it, it can still be a fun time. So you're going to laugh. In my journal, I actually put goals for my vacations. I, I do. I have goals for my vacations. Now, they're not, hey, meet 18 clients that are worth billions of dollars and convert them to business, right? But they're goals like... Uh, I want to see this particular exhibit or I want to go visit this particular library or I want to do whatever it is or, or I want to snorkel in this ocean, whatever it is. Uh, but I have goals. And here's the importance of goals to me. It goes back to living life by design. So, Nicole, if you don't have a goal, you have no compass in your mind of where you're going. You're literally setting yourself up with no rudder on your ship and letting it blow you wherever the world's winds will blow. Now, I love Jim Rohn. He's one of my mentors. And you'll, oh, if you go to our podcast, you'll hear him a lot from me. You'll hear him, you'll see him on my his books on my website. Um, I got to tell you, though, at the end of the day, he's very spot on with the fact that if you choose to be a human, <laughs> now you don't choose to be one, but if you choose to be a human, you must set the sail to send you in the direction you wish to go. And so I have goals every day. I wake up, there's, there are three most for the day. I got three big goals for the day, and I've got three big, hairy, audacious goals for the week. Well, wouldn't it make sense that if I have three for the week and three for the day, wouldn't you think I probably have at least three big, hairy, audacious goals for the quarter? So I give myself 12 big goals for the year. And you can only work, as scientists say, and they've proven this, you can only work on those three biggest goals, really. As the most, you know, so I know some people go, hey, I've got 100 goals for the year. And I go, great. What's your top 10? You know, the ones that will really move the needle, make you a better person, create a sustainable life for you that's better than what you had. How about improve your community in ways it's never seen before? How about the health of your community? What can you do for school kids that are unfortunate and don't have a family that's uh, supportive? What can you do if they don't have a place to live that's safe? You know, these are big goals to me. And I set those goals. Some are achievement goals and some are habit goals. And so I try to mix those in and I'll have maybe four or five that are simply habit goals and the rest will be achievement goals for the year. The point I'm making is, is you have to have something that pulls you, not drags you, pulls you to that point of knowing, hey, I've reached that goal, that's success, and then reward yourself. You're going to laugh. I do a couple of things that I'm, I'm very grateful and thankful for is I have a clothier that makes my suits and sport coats and stuff for me. And every time I hit one of my big goals and he's called me, and his name's Jared. And Jared uh, will call me and he'll say, I noticed you always order something after the close of my quarter. May I ask why you wait until <laughs> the close of my quarter? So he's on calendar quarters, Nicole. So he'll get a he'll get a call from me and go, hey, can you come down? I want to bring you some swatches. Let me see what I can look at, uh, you know, in terms of uh, some new jackets or something. And he'll go, you always call me like after March, after June. <laughs> why is that? And I explained to him, he goes, well, I thought something was up, but you <laughs> you never call me in the middle of a quarter. I go, well, I want to I want to make it a reward for what I've done. And so my point here is, is that habit, that that goal becomes then the habit, then that goal then becomes a bigger goal. And it all feeds in three a day, three a week, three for the quarter. Right. It's a simple plan. 
And we make it so complex. And they go, well, I don't even know how to set goals. I said, let me ask you this. Take a blank sheet of paper, Nicole, and I want you to write down, just brainstorm. Just give yourself a few minutes to brain dump, if you will. Just write down what is it you want to do. No matter what the resource is, no matter the time required, you just write down what you want to do. You want to travel Europe? Great, write it down. You want to take a cruise in the Seine River? Write it down. Uh, You want to climb, I don't know, the Himalayas? Write it down. And they're like, well, that's just sitting down a wish list. I said, no, no, no. I'm not going to make a wish list because once you tell me what that is, then we're going to set those smaller goals that help build and build and build till we get to the big one, right? No one wakes up today and goes, hmm, I think I want to climb Kilimanjaro. Nobody wakes up and says that. They work three to seven years training, learning that higher elevation, breathing, packing, techniques of safety. You go as a team. Nobody wakes up one day and says, hey, I want to go do something earth shattering. We have to work on it daily to build to that point, which may take years to get that big, hairy, audacious goal accomplished. I love it. So I'm going to call it the three by three by three. Uh, Three goals a day, three goals a week, and then three goals a quarter, right? And so they all feed into each other, right? So it is very much about building a foundation. And, you know, that's, Jimmy, that's really why I call it next right steps. So if I have this big, hairy, audacious goal to go up to the top of uh, the the Himalayas, then, um, you know, what is my next right step? Well, yeah. I'm going to take a walk. <laughs> no, no, and I'm seriously. Building on my so cardio, you know? Those next so, steps have to be small steps that build into okay. big things. Here's the thing. Remember, there's a chain, right? Just like you see a chain if you're pulling a car or you've seen a chain tied to a tree or something to hold something up. That link does its job when it goes one link at a time to hold that massive weight, whatever it may be. And you're absolutely right. The next step's not a big, big, big one. It is just what's the next step, you know? Yep, that's right. You could even check on, you know, flights, uh, you know, yeah. or whatever it needs to be. But there's all these little things that you can do instead of uh, worrying about how big, hairy, and audacious it is. Although I think you should definitely have some BHAGs. All right. Well, the last thing I want to talk to you about is energy. And if any all of you are listening, I know that you're like, well, Jimmy does. Jimmy does not lack for energy. Um, and so, one of the things that I teach whenever I teach Jimmy is that there are six energies if we choose to be human. I love that. And also, uh, everybody, I do want to go back to Jim Rohn. R O H N. Would you please go to YouTube and just watch five minutes, and you'll be hooked. All right, so everybody go listen to Jim Rohn. He's popped off the planet now, but he was amazing, amazing, amazing human. All right, so um, so six energies inside the human body. So there's intellectual energy. So that we've already kind of talked about that today. So you need to read. You need to put good information into your, your brain. Um, you need to work on your vocabulary, as Jimmy has told us. Then the, the second energy is emotional energy, right? And so it's like our emotional intelligence. It's, you know, how we stay positive. Uh, then there's spiritual energy. Uh, you've kind of heard Jimmy allude to the fact that on Sunday mornings, he starts out his week getting fed some spiritual energy and then he tries to carry that out and make it foundational. Then the next energy is physical. Got to eat your veggies, Jimmy's told you. Uh, then there is social energy uh, and then the energy of money. So there are six energies that a human has to keep up with. So, Jimmy, I rattled through those pretty quickly. You've touched on some of them, but how do you keep yourself stoked or get yourself, as I like to call, vibrant? What do you what do you do to keep your energy up? First and foremost, I say this to a lot of people. I made this phrase up and they all ask me, they go, do you just wake up in the morning and act like this? I said, <laughs> yes, I do. I, I said, well, I got to be honest with you. This is neither caffeine nor drug induced. It's just pure Jimmy. And I said, don't you feel sorry for Mrs. Williams? I mean, I'm telling you. <laughs> 
she's a lucky girl. Just like me. Oh, gosh, I got to tell you. So, so let me tell you what keeps me motivated is, as I mentioned just previous question, is my goals pull me to that next level of success, that next level of heightened understanding, whatever you want to be working toward. I always have something to live for and to work for. And everybody looks at me and goes, well, don't you just have downtime? Yeah, man, I have vacationed in France. I've been on the beaches of the Caribbean. I've been all over this world. And I do unplug, but I never forget that my battery only lasts so long. I get back into good reading and don't laugh while I'm on the beach. Sometimes I don't read anything about business. I read about great people. That, again, just gets in my motivation. And the other thing about being the person that's got to have energy you keep in mind, until you dispel or until you utilize some energy, nothing else can happen. Your body has to have energy for your heart and your lungs, you know, the autonomic system to work. It's just got to have energy. And that's why it's so important for us to exercise daily. Get some kind of means. I don't care if you're just walking 15-minute miles. Walk four of them if you would. Go ahead and get an hour in. But the old scientists tell us you just need 30 minutes. Just get 30 minutes of your heart rate up in a target rate area and you're good. I like to play pickleball. I'm very competitive. I like to play golf. I'm very competitive. I enjoy these things, but I don't get mad at who I'm playing. I judge how Jimmy performed against the previous day's Jimmy. You see my point? That's how I get energy. If I'm not better today than I was yesterday, then I miss the mark. Now, you're going to laugh. I tell people, can you improve your life 1% better each day? And I go, yes, easy. What's 1%? And then I go, do you realize, though, if you just do 1% a day at the end of a year, you're 365% different or in a different location than you were? And I say to them, listen, small, incremental, consistent changes in life reap big results. I mean, gargantuan results. And I, when I'm coaching people about life, I go, quit making life so hard. Every day, have some balance. I think you have some prayer and meditation. I think you eat well. I think you exercise well. And I think you discharge your energy to those around you to create your value in the marketplace in the best manner you can. It's just a balance. You know, we don't have to hit tens on everything, but this is a wheel. Your six energies to me are a wheel. If I'm devoting all my time to making money, boy, I got a flat tire. If I'm devoting all my time to intellectuality, I'm not going to the office and creating value for other people. Uh, No money's going to come in that way. But I do have to have the intellectuality and I do have to have the ambition and the money to make the wheel work in a smooth manner. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. And I love it. And and so this 1% uh, that you're talking about, uh, that's one of the books on Jimmy's reading list on his website, which let me tell it to you again, it's live a life by dot design. Um, so the 1% difference, uh, I just absolutely love that book. All right. So uh, here's what I'm going to I'm going to say, folks, is you've got to have something to live for and something to work for. Uh, Those are some great words from Mr. Jimmy Williams. Jimmy, it has been such a great time having you on the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. And I I know people are like, wait, wait, give us one more nugget. Is there might there be one more nugget that you might leave my listeners with that that they could put it in their ears and they could absorb it in their brain and live a more vibrant life? Yeah, I I tell you, here's my last nugget I want to share. And this is nothing really profound. This is just Jimmy's way of thinking. I want you to go out today. After you listen to this podcast, I want you to forget about yesterday. Forget about last year. Maybe it wasn't your best year. You know, we had all this inflation. Maybe things didn't go as planned even the last hour. I want you to start a fresh day, a new slate, a new page on the pad, a new chapter in the book, whatever analogy you want to use. 
But I want you to know that the world expects you to show up being bigger, better, and bolder than you were yesterday to make the world a better place. Bigger, better, and bolder, friends. That's what I call being vibrant. I'm so grateful for you being on the show, Jimmy. And you also have a podcast. Will you tell us a little bit about your podcast and where we can find you? Absolutely. So we're anywhere you want to listen to podcasts, anywhere from uh, Apple uh, Podcasts to on iTunes. You can go listen to us on uh, any of them, Amazon, wherever. It's anywhere you listen to podcasts it's called Live a Life by Design, similar to the same website. And it's all about that Monday morning moments of motivation. We give you just a few moments to get your week started on the right foot so you can be bigger, better, and bolder for those around you in your world that you love and wish to help. All right. Fantastic. And everybody, you can find Jimmy on LinkedIn, and it's Jimmy-J-Williams. And so you can pick him out there. Look for the guy that is from Oklahoma. All right. It's been so good to have you, everybody. Would you do me and Jimmy both a favor? Would you go down and press that like button and leave us a review and a comment? We would really appreciate that. And uh, here's to you all out there for listening. I appreciate you so much. Let's build a vibrant culture. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please take a moment to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps us improve and reach more like-minded listeners. Remember, the journey to building a vibrant culture never stops. Stay inspired, keep nurturing your vibrant culture, and we can't wait to reconnect with you on the next exciting episode of Build a Vibrant Culture podcast.